You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we have a great episode for you. I was able to attend training camp at St. John Fisher this past Saturday from the Bleachers, and afterwards, I met up with Sean Murphy, one of the many talented writers for BuffaloRumblings.com, and asked him his perspective on what he saw on Saturday. Now, luckily, Sean had media credentials all weekend and was able to see things from a much better point of view than almost all of us were able to. So I asked him about that and pretty much everything under the sun as it pertains to Josh Allen, the wide receivers, the running backs, the O-line, the defense, and a ton more. So just to give you a heads up, we recorded it in Witchcraft Brews in Webster, and so the audio isn't super clear in the beginning, but hang in there because it gets better. It's absolutely worth it to hear it from someone who knows the 90 players inside and out. So without further ado, our interview with Sean Murphy. But yeah, this is uh, Circling the Wagons, uh, Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're joined by Buffalo Rumblings staff writer, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Sean, it's great to talk to you, man. How's it going? Likewise. It's going all right. Good, good day so far. Good day so far. So you wrote the article today about training camp practice, and we're going to get into the fact that you have a media pass, too, to get a little bit better look at it than most of us did. Um, what did you think of the practice? I guess... I guess, what, was there something you were looking for in, in particular, or are you just trying to take it all in at once? Yeah, it, it was a lot, because for me, it's like, and Matt has warned me about it, he said, you can't, no cheering on the side, and you can't be a fan, and I mean, I'm a fan first, so I'm sitting there, and like, every one of those beautiful passes that Josh Allen threw, I wanted to yell, yeah. and, and I couldn't. So I, I'm lucky that I didn't get ejected from the place. From the press, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, just between watching all the guys and, and trying to see where they are and just trying to make sure that they're building from last year is what I was looking forward to. Yep. And, and just as a coach myself, trying to see how they run a practice, that was the most impressive thing that I, I took away from the whole day, regardless of how well everybody played. There's literally not a second of wasted time on the field like they're in they're moving they're over this way like special teams working on the back half while the defense is working on the back yeah. field while the offense 
offense is working on situational stuff on one end. Special teams. And, oh, my God. The, the way that they plan that out, it's just it's so impressive. Now, what do you coach? You coach softball? I, co- I coach softball. softball. I've, I've coached everything but football, basically. <laughs> oddly, uh-huh. Soccer. I've coached basketball, baseball, softball. I've been all over the map. So is that the one thing you take away from the practice on your end is, like, always keep people moving and rotating so no downtime between drills or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, and, it, and it's not like... A lot of times people think that no downtime between drills means no instruction is happening. But like I was watching the, the individual drills with the running backs, and the running back coach is screaming at guys to keep their elbows locked and make sure that the ball stays up. And then uh, and Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, was down in drills with the offensive lineman. He's wearing a big hoodie. <laughs> He's weird, yeah. And he by the end of practice, like my dude was so yeah, yeah. Oh, it was it was ridiculous, dude. I, and I saw him, Sal Camacho, I think, tweeted out a picture of him yesterday with the same hoodie on. He's like, I'm trying to get in better shape or something like that. Sweat it out. Yeah, he's, he's sweating. He's sweating all the water. It was 9:45, so I, I was there at practice too in the in the bleachers. And I think it was 9:30. I got to my bleacher. And it, I think it was like 9.32, the first beat of sweat went down my back. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long practice. Yep. Yeah. I actually had to switch halves of the track because I could feel my calves burning when I was sitting From the sun just... Oh, yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. I was standing behind the offensive sideline at first, and I was getting smoked. So I, I went behind the defensive sideline, so I was kind of even out. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. So you came up from New York City. You live in New York City in that area? Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to New Falls, really. I'm in the Hudson Valley down. This is what, exit 46 up here? Yeah, exit 46, 47, yeah, 45. Yeah, so yeah. to get to me, you'd have to go all the way to exit 18. So you've got, we have some distance. Very cool. To cover to hop is, up here. Is this your first practice, your first training camp? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, very first, cool. First time in Rochester, first, first camp, first, yeah, first garbage plate. First garbage so, plate? Nice, yeah. nice. Now, you've never had a garbage plate before that. Here, we'll get into garbage plates later. Let's talk bills for, for a minute because I'm just getting excited talking about that. Um, so what I find difficult about training camp practice to watch is just that there's so many different things going on, like you said. How do you concentrate on one? I mean, because at first it was like special teams drills and stuff like that. I mean, what, what do you focus on and, and which side of the field do you go on and, and, and how do you determine that? Like, I mean, you, you were probably figuring it all out today. I was, yeah. I mean, as I was looking at it, and it's... I thought I would had a handle on it, but every time I looked down to like type something to the, the Slack channel or, or to tweet something, I just heard everybody cheer and I looked up and I'm like, damn it, I just missed whatever it was. Uh-huh. So like like the fight, for example. Oh yeah, the fight, yep. That broke out. I was sending a message about the, the previous play and all of a sudden I hear the whistles blowing and I look up and I see Jordan Phillips in Boston knocks in the face. Yeah. And they're, and they're about ready to, to start throwing down. Now was that near you or on the other side? I, I was I was close to it. It was on my side okay. but I saw, I saw Phillips and I was like thank God I'm not in the middle of that because that's, that's a big boy. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That was one of the biggest things I, I thought from training camp was that small scuffle between, yeah, I, to me it just seemed, so I watched that play, it was right on my side. I just see Dawson Knox make a normal play, catch a great ball, yep. and go out of bounds, taking, now, even though they were in pads and helmets and everything like that, there really wasn't a lot of contact. No, yeah, it was, it was wrap up, not like to the ground. Wrap up, not to the ground. So there was some bumping and some stuff, and I think they took a few little, they took a little bit of a liberty with yeah. him on that hit, even out of bounds, and I don't think he appreciated it. I didn't seem it, no. No, yeah. No. yeah. And uh, he's a big boy, so he uh, stuck up for himself. That's the other thing that shocks you about, like, when you get back close to those dudes. Like, even, I mean, 
my, I called my father after practice today. And I'm talking to him because he always we would talk about like oh Sean McCoy he's like a little water bug he's a little water bug I stood next to McCoy that guy would crush me with one hand tied behind his back yeah. and it would be a weekend like, yeah that guy is yeah that's just how big all of these guys are how it's athletically superior to every other human all of these guys are. Well, you're so used to seeing them on TV, right? Yeah. And they're with all these other giant human beings. Uh-huh. You forget how small you are compared to them. Yeah. 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 Even if you're as tall as them, they're just like... Yeah. Tree trunks. Built. Yeah, because even like a guy like Ed Oliver. Like, I look at... Like, I'm a couple in... I'm 6'3". Yeah. Taller than Ed Oliver. Uh-huh. Ed Oliver is 100 pounds heavier than I am. <laughs> and his legs are like the size of, of my entire body. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And he's 100 pounds and it's not like... Fat. It's not like oh, he's my dude is straight. Yeah. Yoked. Yeah. He's cut up. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I remember so I, I've been going to training camp um after college, so for like fifteen years or so, on and off, and I remember I used to what I used to do is I used to take a day off and go to training camp on like a Thursday morning. Because they used to do everyday practices, they used to do morning practice. So I take a day off, go there, then we play golf or go out for lunch and stuff with the guys. And you used to be able to get up to Almost, almost where you were at today in the media practice, and we would see like offensive linemen drills, like within like ten feet of the fence, and we'd be able to get right up to the fence. And you'd be like, these guys are just monstrous human beings. You forget how big six foot four is and six foot five is. And then, and then it's three hundred twenty pounds at that size yeah. too. Like even a guy like like Starlin Tuberlay, who like everybody sits there and talks about him being like a big girthy space eater, like that is cut up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he stood up. He came close to me. I was, I was, I was, like, I, my jaw dropped. I probably looked like a moron. But I'm looking at him like, oh my god, like yeah. yeah. straight up huge. Yeah. So then, like, trying to focus on one thing over the other and practice is so much. So much going on. Yeah. And it's, it's a credit to the coaching staff being able to do that much. Mm-hmm. And then you see how energetic McDermott is running around like CEO it basically. He's not just hanging out with the defense. He's running over in the middle of practice, he's talking to the offensive lineman, Pat and Josh Allen on the rear end, he's going over and talking to the running back, so it's a lot of all of the things that they're Yeah, like, I, I tried to balance myself, I was like, I'm watching the running backs one minute, and then I saw the receivers on the other hand, so I started walking over to watch their one-on-ones, then I, you know, looked over and I saw the quarterbacks were doing some, uh, they were doing a lot of work with the running back yep. for a bit there. You saw it like flat, like out of the flat yeah, throws. Like yeah, flat curl, yep. uh, or flat wheel type that combos wheel. that they were going on. I think that's going to be a big part of the offense. Oh, I'd love that for yeah. that. Yeah, and the cool thing, like, a guy like Devin Singletary, who in college caught essentially nothing. Like, I don't think he dropped the ball to that. Everything that was in his brain, he caught. Mm-hmm. But that, that kid's going to be something mm-hmm. to watch him. I mean, the, the, the agility drills. With him, he floats. Yeah, I, I don't even think he touched the ground. Wow. Like some of the jump cuts. I watched him. I didn't even see his feet. Wow. I'm five feet away from him. I can't see his feet. No kidding. That's exciting. Yeah, uh huh. Exciting. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'll, I'll own it. That's a draft pick, but when it happened, I went, man. Yeah. I'm not that, like, why not the other guy? Why not this guy? Why not that guy? And now I'm looking at him. I mean, there were his patience, the vision that he had. He disappeared in the offensive line a couple of times and then popped out five yards down the field. How'd that guy get there? I don't know. Yeah. I think that kid's going to be real good. 
I think I think a lot of us when Devin Singletary was drafted was kind of like it was more the position than the player. Agreed. I think I think it was just like really a third round. Like you just signed T.J. Yeldon a little while ago, and T.J. Yeldon looked pretty good on those flat throws too. By the way, that's that's a guy. I am. I mean, I'm a Yeldon stand basically. Like I'm, I'm his guy at yeah. this point. Like I, if not, even if he stays on the roster and is inactive for all 19 games this year when we win the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah, five, yeah. Um, uh-huh. If he's inactive for every single game, it's worth it because he's here next year when we assume neither McCoy nor Moore will be here. Mm-hmm. If your backfield is Singletary and Yeldon. Yeah, you're in good shape, exactly. That's one of the reasons why I somehow want Yeldon to stick on the roster because he definitely serves a purpose. Yes. And there's only, like you said, only two backs on the roster for next year. Yeah. I mean, I, that Sonora's pair might also be, but um, yeah. I just meant running backs, running backs. Right, yeah. And, and he too, I mean, watching him, I don't think he's out of carry. I don't think, I don't think so, yeah. In, in the team period, but watching him with the ball in his hands is the agility stuff. That, that guy is no joke either. Yeah. yeah. You know, what is, so what was your take though? So you saw practice. What did you, how did you think Josh Allen was? Oh my God. I, I, I don't even know if I can put it into words how good he looked in person. Because uh-huh. I'm, I'm so used to doing like the practice recaps based on everybody's Twitter feeds. Yeah. And now that I've actually watched him, I mean, he made, I think he made three bad throws. All day, yeah, and and one of them was caught for a touchdown. So it, I mean, was he, that the John Brown one? Yes. Yeah, he faced. You saw it. He faced a little pressure. Yeah, kind of went up, wobbly duck, and that's. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's going to help Allen? Oh, like Brown. Oh my God, that guy's exciting. So he can't cover. His hands are great, and the ball tracking was like like peak the Evans. Yeah, at that point, mm-hmm. he's going up under something, praying, grabs it, good coverage too. Um, but he, Allen, like for a ground ball on a slant, there, I think it was an RPO. It looked mm-hmm. like he went to hand off, but he pulled it, kind of did the little sidearm thing with his feet not set that he sometimes does. Okay. Next throw he missed. I think it was the Beasley on an out. But then, uh, then he third down play, mm-hmm. walked it into double coverage, hit Tommy Sweeney oh, yeah. over the middle, and it was gorgeous. Yep. And then they were just on from there. And like everything that that kid did today, Allen. Crazy. Gave, gave you encouragement as a... Almost too much. Like, I'm afraid to have this much encouragement. <laughs> I mean, I've been kind of slow playing my expectations for him. Like, he'll be okay this year. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I watch that. I'm like, we're going to be super. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Now, it's... One of the huge advantages Josh Allen has this year is that he's getting all the first-team reps for once. He had an entire offseason. He knew exactly who his receivers were going to be. One thing I saw, so you mentioned, like, John Brown, I thought, looked great today. He had a couple of great passes. Not even just the long bomb that you just mentioned, but there were a couple of out passes, intermediate passes, where I don't think people, I think people like to kind of stereotype, like, this guy's a speedster. Therefore, he's only good at this, but he's proven that he can do more than just that. Yeah, he's got the double thing because he's a speedster and he's also small by NFL standards. I mean, he's 5'10", 178 pounds, whatever he is. And so you'd think that he can't be a tough guy, he can't be a fighting guy, yeah. he can't, but he is. I mean, he does everything well. And I think that a lot of the hesitation on fans are to crown him as the guy because he's never been the guy before in an offense. But he's never been asked to be the guy. He's always been a guy, the yeah. part of a good... I mean, when he was in Arizona, he was the kid with Larry Fitzgerald out there. When he 
what's his name? Sneed is a good receiver. Oh, yeah, yep. yep. Didn't they have Crabtree in Baltimore? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Johnson buddy, apparently. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't see that. Oh, but. yeah, yeah, Crabtree. Stevie Johnson wrote Michael Crabtree, Hello, Buffalo, that oh. sent everybody into a tailspin. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> but, but apparently it's, you know, one of those, like, Leslie Nielsen in front of the fireworks, nothing to see here kind of deals. Yeah, but, okay. Yeah, but Brown, I, I think Brown is, is not a guy. He's, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yep, it seemed that way, too. He's got that opportunity. He has that ability. It seemed like Allen was looking for him even when nobody was open. He was kind of yep. going for him in the secondary. So, so did you see any of Cole Beasley today, too? Yeah. yeah. And what I saw them doing, too, was trying to get cute formations to spread the defense out horizontally mm-hmm. so that Beasley could be open in the middle. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but they had... Uh, I saw DeMarco out wide. Yeah. And that's if you get the big guys out wide, that takes the big guys out of the middle, which yep. opens it up for a little guy like Beasley. So for him to be able to get in there, I mean, if you've got the linebackers shooting out on DeMarco and they say that uh, the tight ends were split out, so Lee Smith split out long a couple of times. So, I mean, you might as well split out Lee Smith, you know, the closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be out on that end. Yeah. But the fact that they were able to do that. And then you saw it every single time a guy like Beasley, uh, Ray Ray McLeod got open a couple of times and had fun those little underneath things, those little, you know, shoulder shimmy, yep. chair around the bend, oh, this isn't working, so now I'm going to come back in this way. Yeah. And then Alan was going to stick him right in the middle. Yeah. And that was the other cool thing to watch him be so accurate, fun, those short to intermediate things he struggled so mightily with last year. Yeah, yeah, which I'm hoping that he learns a lot more of. I know that. I was watching, there was a one-on-one, um, there was a drill where they had one wide receiver, one cornerback, yeah. and no pressure or anything for the yep. quarterback, the quarterback just took the took the snap, and then he looked one way, and then he looked towards the wide receiver. Yep. There was one play where Cole Beasley was running around, I have no idea who it was against. Yeah, I think it was Kevin Johnson. Was it Kevin Johnson? Yeah, he, he put him right on his Was it 24? I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah but was it the one that he, he just like he, he stuck his foot in the dirt, went the exact opposite way, yeah. and the, the dude just fell. The corner fell. Totally wiped him out. I think it was Kevin Johnson. And had there been no safety there or anything, Bye-bye. touchdown. Yeah, see ya. We have never. I don't know. Even maybe Steven Johnson have a wide receiver with that kind of ability of cutting, getting open, and Edelman like yes. kind of underneath guy. Yeah. We've never had that. No. Yeah. Not many teams do have that. By the way, it's not just it's not just us. Yeah. So I'm excited for him too. Yeah, it's they've, they've got all the pieces. They, they have all the right. They did all the right things. It seems the other speaking pieces when they rebuilt an offensive line. Watching Cody Ford today was nice because there were a couple of points where like even when he gets beat, he's strong enough and tough enough and competitive enough where he's, he's still making plays. I mean, one of those touchdowns that Allen threw to Brown. Trent Murphy beat Cody Ford pretty soundly on it, but Ford recovered and pushed him up the field just enough so that Allen could step, could up, step up, and he just had to get a wild yard down, and that's in years past. Uh, guys, especially off that right tackle side, when they got beat, it was over. So oh, yeah. Allen was getting killed for it, yeah, whoever I mean, it was from athleticism, that side. Athleticism on the right tackle side has been lacking. <laughs> to, say it, <laughs> yeah. to say it well, yeah. to say it nice. Yes. But you know what? I, I'm done 
being upset about last year's offensive line because they weren't paying them. So what do you expect? You know, right. they had so much dead cap. It's not their fault that they were put in that position. But it's so nice to see more talent, skill at that position. So do you, what did you notice from the offensive line? I mean, from what you were able to see, everything going on. You saw Cody Ford still lining up at right tackle. Yeah, and uh, it was John Feliciano was at right guard. Um, Mitch Morris in center, obviously. That guy's not moving anywhere. No, he's hurt. Uh, the left guard was Quentin Spain. The left tackle was still Keon Dawkins. Um, in the first run install that they did, it looked like the defense ate him up when they went to, uh, they were doing the handoffs. It's all yep. up the middle stuff. Mm-hmm. But when they started doing the off tackle runs, they were just yeah. And I don't think it's because the defense is bad. I think it's because the offensive line is good. That's encouraging. And the other cool thing that I noticed them doing this last year, if you remember, they rotated so much with the offensive line that I think it, it seemed like it gave them the lack of continuity was fairly obvious. But this today, from what I saw anyway, it was the same five. Uh, aside from that last 11 on 11 period, mm-hmm. they swapped them. It looked like Dawkins was gassed. And uh, in Spain, they took them both out. And they moved Nzike, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. Yeah, yeah. Nzike and Nzike. And then the left guard of uh, Spencer Long. Oh, cool. So I feel like there's your top seven right there. Yeah. Probably carrying eight, maybe a nine. Because you've got uh, the CK can play left tackle, he can play guard. He just wins tackle. You've got Feliciano can play guard, can play center. You've got Long can play guard, can play center. Mm-hmm. I've always been a less is more guy yeah, with yeah. offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, like last year, they're keeping nine or ten, always kind of giving an eye twitch. But if they can they cut that down to eight, you're in good shape, yeah. yeah. I saw Spencer Long take a few snaps with the ones. Um, yeah. in, in center, sorry. Oh, okay. In center. And I was like, I was like, what, yeah. what's happening here? And I think it was just to, just to switch it out, just get him more reps because if he spends all his time at left guard or right guard, he doesn't have a chance to run. That's, that's what's good about it. A lot of this seems like it hasn't changed since day one in training camp. Yeah. The starters for the most part. Yeah. Um, so that'll be exciting. So, so talk about having a press pass and being like in that area with like, cause I, I, I'm one of those guys that I always follow like all these guys with Matt Perino, you know, Matthew Fairburn, Joe Biscali. So when I see those guys on the time, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. They're like small celebrities to me, you know? And yeah, well, I felt like I was living someone else's life, yeah. to be honest. Like, I was sitting there, I mean, I was telling you before, yeah. I'm sitting there in my own little hole, and all of a sudden, someone's sitting next to me, and I look to my right, and it's Sal Picaccio, and kind of like, give me a head nod, and I'm like, uh, and then, like, comes in late, like, one of the other guys sat down next to me, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm like, I'm on this guy, yeah, yeah. I'm looking around, and I'm like, wait a minute, I know these guys' articles for like, a hundred years, yeah, yeah it is, it's pretty cool. serious, like, Fanboying, yeah. Going on. One of my a guy that I, I teach with actually is a is a Cuba Lake guy. So I was, I was telling him because he's big big West in New York. And oh yeah, said, buddy, you, you would die. You die. Oh yeah. You're sitting here doing this. You would absolutely die. And I sent him a couple of pictures, and he was like, I I want to kill you. I, right <laughs> I want to be you. Yeah. I, I want yeah. I want to have your life right now. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, just when when Matt said it to me, I was like, you know. It's not practical to drive because, like, I'll say it how my wife said it to me. She goes, you're going to be in the car for nine hours to go watch a bunch of dudes in shorts yeah. throw a ball around and, and practice. Not a game. Practice. She, Alan Iverson, and me, basically. And I, I was like, yeah, honey, that's exactly what I'm going to do. 
My wife's the same way. She's like, you're going to training camp practice today. Like, yeah, absolutely. I haven't been in a few years. It's like, okay, well, how long are you going to be there till? I'm like, I have no idea how long it lasts. Yeah. And I'm going to be there till it ends. Probably going to grab something to eat after. You know, it's 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 just a different it's a different sort of fandom. Yeah. To want to, and, and what's cool is at some point I like to talk about like the training camp experience because there's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, a lot of a lot of readers to the Buffalo Roman site that have yeah. never been to practice, right. have seen pictures, don't really know the experience, but have been to games. It's it's yeah. it's kind of an interesting like little place. I mean it's a it's a nice little college university. Yeah. The whole life, the drive in, I'm looking around and I'm like, my God, these houses are incredible. Yeah. Like the whole neighborhood is awesome. Campus is gorgeous. Like I, I yeah. It's it was great. It's a beautiful little area. There's uh so like I mean if people go there you can't you can't necessarily go in so were you able to get like a parking spot and all that stuff okay yeah and it's it's funny because I didn't quite know you know where I was going and, and Matt didn't quite know where I had he had to send me yeah so like I went to the Will Cole tent the Will Cole people weren't even there yet because I was you know being the, the nerd on the first day of school I'm like seven o'clock were you there seven uh, nine, eight, eight on the dot eight on the dot for nine forty five right for nine forty five love because I thought yeah, we thought I was gonna have to go for security. And all these other things. Oh, yeah. But I'll, yeah. I go to the Will Call, or the guy who was there, he goes, No, actually, you got to go to this other lot. I go to the other lot, we're walking into the hall, and, and the, I see this one guy, I'm like, Hey, you know, can I go pick up my credentials? And he goes, Yeah, sure. So I figure I have, need like some escort. Go in there, and the girl goes, What's your name? Sean Murphy. He goes, All right, here you go. Is there anything else? He goes, No, nope, see you later. I'm like, Okay, it's 8 15. <laughs> here we go. I thought I was going to be in a line. <laughs> I, th- I thought something crazy was going to happen. Nope. Uh, yeah. So very cool. So did you do you have a dorm there too to like write or where did you where did you write your article? I ended up at the cafeteria okay. over there. Yeah. So they the air conditioned cafeteria, <laughs> which you know for Sean Murphy clearly I I need to get out of the sun <laughs> after 15 minutes. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I felt like I was going to drop. So I go in there and I AC's on, a couple cold water bottles. Nice. They serve lunch. I mean, I, I, I literally, it was like the VIP experience that I, I never had. It was crazy. That's cool. It was crazy. And like I said before, the hardest thing was, like, Alan throws a beautiful pass. I want to just scream out and start clapping. But, like, I got all these, like, local media legends sitting over here where when I, if I say something, it's like... Who's his amateur? I know. Well, that's funny because I think I think eventually that's going to change. It's going to be more Sean Murphy's on the field at some point. You know, like that's because. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like like we're talking about, you know, not as many blogs can press coverage passes, and it's like it's like eventually that's the way people are gaining a lot of their content. Now they still go to like WGR 550, they still go to Buffalo News, the DNC, of course, but they're making room for like the Athletic. And yes. the Athletic's not a printed newspaper at all. No, yeah. It, and it's, it's great content. All three of their writers are there. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Fairburn just went to the Athletic, right? Piscalia. Oh, Piscalia. That's Piscalia, yes. yes. And that's, he was there, too. Yep. Yeah, yeah so Piscalia, Fairburn, yes. Tim Graham was there. You yes, saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those guys were there. Piscalia's tall. Yeah, oh, he's... He's a giant. I'm not a short person, and I like I, he walked by me, and I stood on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, yeah, a lot of those guys. Uh, I, it's funny. I, I I made fun of uh, Joe once in a tweet uh, because there was like a uh, a video of him holding a microphone from like ten feet away, like 
just like getting in the quote, and I'm just like, his wingspan is enormous. Go, go, gadget arms. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you know, that's what uh, us tall people have to do. He's like, yeah. the tall life didn't ask for it. So, um, but yeah, that's cool. You saw all the like for me. Like I remember the first time I saw Joe B. Like walking out. Like this is like four or five years ago. And you know, I listened. To, I think he was still with WGR 550. I you know, I listen every morning. Yeah. This and that. And, uh, yeah, it's funny, like, just fans like us, but also, like, writers yeah. and stuff like that, just getting, and it's kind of cool. It's, it's very weird, yeah. Especially the people you respect and yes. admire. Yeah, no, I mean, there's some, like, I had a, uh, Sal Marano wrote this, uh, basically, like, reference book called Relentless of the first 35 years of the history of, of the Bills team. You know, I, I have that entire book memorized. I've read that thing a bajillion times. And, like, I'm standing next to that guy on the field, practice-wise. So, like, uh, 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 <laughs> like don't, don't say anything, don't trip, don't say something stupid. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just stand there and be professional. <laughs> <laughs> something he's had to do for, like, the last 30 or yeah, 40 years. Yeah, right? and I have to do it for two hours and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's cool. That's cool. So, so Josh Allen looked great. The receivers looked great. Now Robert Foster came down on one of those throws. Um, looked like he might have been banged up a little bit, but he came back into the, yeah. into the practice. Yeah, it made me nervous for a minute. But any time a guy lays out, he gets you think shoulder. But I mean, I, he must have just knocked the wind out of himself or something. It yeah. looked like it was pretty much a non-issue. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, exactly. Dawson Knox came off towards the end. Oh, okay. Which I, I missed it, but there yeah. were there were some other guys tweeting about it. It was a hamstring. Oh, so that's and Kroom is already out with the hamstring, and you're already down. Croft, Croft is in um, a walking boot still, right? But so now he already had, you know, two rookies and Lee Smith as your as your trio there yeah. of the tight ends. Which now, I mean, you're looking at the only other two healthy tight ends on the roster: Nate Becker, who's another undrafted rookie, mm-hmm. and uh, and Keith Tobridge, mm-hmm. who Buffalo had last year as an undrafted rookie, released them, went to Tennessee. They released them. Buffalo brought them back. So that's cool. It's good talking to somebody that did the 90 players. In 90 days, because you know... <laughs> it helps. I'm looking at these yeah. numbers. I'm like, I don't recognize that guy. I don't... And you... I know, like, maybe, like, the top 50 or 60, right? Yeah. And then after that, it's kind of a blur for well, me. There's a couple of them who screwed me up, and they have new rock. Like, every time I saw 87, I'm like, who is this guy? He yeah. keeps making plays over there. And I kept thinking it was Isaiah McKenzie, but it was Cam Phillips. Oh, yeah. And, and he was good today. I thought, like, every... He didn't get a whole bunch of reps. He didn't get a ton of looks. But his hands looked... Solid. Yeah. I mean, that's, if that's a guy who they can sneak on somewhere and let him hang out, that's 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 a good keep. Yeah. David Sills is another. David Sills looked good guy. today. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy, hands catcher. Yeah. If, if that's what you want. And then my my favorite receiver of the day was Duke Williams. Oh really? Because he was trying to kill guys every time he had the ball, and I I respect that. I yeah. mean, that guy was a heat seeking missile. Like he had the ball in his hands. He's twice the size of all the defensive backs. So they're trying to wrap him up, and he's like, "Hey, you wrap up." He dropped his shoulders in the dudes. Like, oh, that, cool. was, that was a bad pop every time he touched the ball. Now, what number is is he? Because I, I there was no media guide or anything, so I couldn't find out. He's eighty-two. Eighty-two. Okay, yeah, that's who I was watching. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big fella. Big fella. I'm like, is this guy a tight end over there? Like, what is? He? And I said it before. I thought. 
I thought Nick Beasley was a tight end at one point. Because he's only, as a slot guy, he's listed at 5'11", 200 pounds, but he, he looks bigger than that. Like, yeah. and I thought, I kept getting him and Tommy Sweeney confused. Oh, yeah. Look at yeah. that. But wow. Sweeney's a mammoth. I walked by that guy and he's, yeah. That's why. <laughs> what do you think? So if, if um, Dawson Knox misses any time, does it become Lee Smith? Lee Smith's got to become the starter, right? Just just for a better. I mean, you can't expect a seventh round rookie to come in as starting tight end. It's crazy because the kid, like, he looked good, Sweeney. Like, I mean, he showed some agility. I mean, he's got some leaping ability. His hands look soft. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if I'm, if I'm guessing, like, if I'm reading the TV correctly with what Dayball wants to do, if he doesn't have his dynamic receiving threat, whether that be Knox or Kuhn or, uh, or Croft yep. available, I think he'd rather make the tight end a sixth offensive lineman yep. and let him just keep protecting, 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 yeah, and then just let the other weapons do their work. That would make sense. I mean, you definitely, especially with Josh Allen being your quarterback, protect him as much as you can, keep him, give him confidence. And yeah. he, he looked good stepping into the pocket. I feel like I feel like that's something we haven't seen from a lot of Bills quarterbacks in the past. They would either try to scramble around the edge like a tie rod yes. or just never step in. Like You're always supposed to climb the pocket. And that's what they always teach you. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that like, the two best quarterbacks, you know, like other than Jim Kelly, have been Tyrod and Flutie, I would say. And both of them weren't climb the pocket guys. They were get out wide guys. Probably because they were, you know, not six feet tall. Yeah, exactly. So, That's a good point. Yeah, so for them, for Allen is so big. And if you do let him get outside of the pocket, it's the crazy. But he's like, he's like 2004 Madden Michael Vick. Yeah. Basically. But, it, but in real life, like the dude could fly. I mean, did you, the, uh, when they were running the situational drill at the end of practice, they ran kind of like the naked boot with him. Yep. And he picked up 20 yards and it, like he was running, but it looked completely effortless. Yep. Like everything. Like a jog. <laughs> that he does. Yeah, I mean, when he throws the ball, it's effortless. effortless. Like, between him and, and Tyree Jackson, too, like, they have bazookas mm-hmm. for arms. And then it almost makes me respect a guy like Matt Barkley that much more because the ball just fires out of Allen and Jackson's hands. And then you watch Barkley, and it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's not like that guy doesn't have a strong arm. It's just those two have whole world arms. Yeah, yeah. So it makes Barkley look like a noodle arm. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. When he really is just probably average, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm a noodle arm. Like, that guy's got a cannon compared to me. Yeah. But just compared to a guy like Allen who's throwing him on hard, Jackson who's throwing him hard, Barkley's anticipation is so good with everything. So it's watching those other dudes, those, like, freakish athletic specimens like Allen is... Yeah. So you so so we mentioned Allen having a really good practice today. What about um, Matt Barkley and Tyree Jackson? I mean, I feel like Tyree Jackson barely got any reps. Yeah, and I mean, I saw him make a couple of rookie mistakes. Like, and then one of them, I think it might have actually been Duke Williams got got mad because Jackson could have climbed the pocket, fired the ball, but instead he tried to get out wide. Uh, and I think it was Shaq Lawson or somebody got to him and then got the sack and he saw Williams coming back to the huddle. You know, with both hands waving, like just throw the darn ball. Uh, but Barkley, I mean, I saw Barkley throw a lot of really nice touch passes. Barkley uses underneath guy as well. Uh, he did try to stretch the field going down there. I don't think he was successful on most of the downfield throws. Yeah. Uh, gosh, Jackson hit somebody deep in the far left corner of the end. It wasn't Andre Roberts, was it? 
Roberts. It was somebody. He definitely, yeah, I remember. It might have been Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips, it okay. Was, yeah, because I, I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, wow, Isaiah McKenzie just made a great catch. And then I flip it. No, nope, that's not Isaiah McKenzie. So I, I think it might have been Phillips. But yeah. he, he hired one in there, too. So it's another one where, like, if you can sneak that kid on the practice squad, yeah. uh, that would be nice. But I have, I have a bad feeling that they're going to have to keep him on the 53. I know. Because somebody will coach him. I know. Try to do the same oh, thing. Oh, I'd, I'd love to have him as a developmental. I was talking with my buddy Mike, who's a co-host during the season, and I'm like, if they imagine, imagine you have Josh Allen, your franchise quarterback, or what you hope is your franchise quarterback. You have a very steady backup in Matt Barkley where he can win you games. You hope if, if Allen goes down. And then Tyree Jackson, this developmental prospect that maybe when Barkley moves on as a backup, you have him as a backup or he steps in. Same physical traits as Allen. Yes. I don't yeah. know intelligence-wise. Maybe he's smarter. Maybe he's not. I don't right. know how well he can pick up a playbook. But, man, the specimen that he is, I mean, if he can learn to step up in the pocket. And Josh Allen is probably learning that for the first time also because he didn't have a center that could hold the No, he didn't the, have the a pocket. pocket. He didn't have a pocket. <laughs> yeah. There was no pocket. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was running for his life yeah. at points last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Jackson, too, at worst with him. You could do like the Packers used to do when they had Brett Favre, and they would just, you know, hey, let's take a flyer on this Mark Brunel guy and let's just develop him. Let's take a flyer on this Matt Hasselbeck guy and develop him. And then turn with draft picks, cashing in on down the road. So you've got a couple options. What do you we, we, we talked, like, in the offseason on the podcast, one of our things, which isn't very common, is always draft a quarterback every year. Yeah. At some point. Doesn't, and not early, obviously, if you think you have a right. franchise, but just take a flyer on a guy. And this year, I'm like, Tyree Jackson, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Next year, if they do on a fifth or sixth round pick or whatever, yeah. and you just find out. You have 90 roster spots. Yeah. Is he better than Tyree Jackson or not? Right. If he is, you keep it. You keep that. Right. Like you said, if not, they turn into trades. And like, is he better than Matt Barkley? Too is the other thing. That's right. Even though Barkley, I think he's on a two-year deal. I don't remember. Exactly, yep. Yes. Yep, but yep. Yeah. So like, you have him for next year. If you want him. Mm-hmm. If you don't. Yeah. You don't. Exactly. Yeah. For the first time in I don't know how many years, our quarterback room is finally stable. I feel like a lot of things are stable yeah. for the first time in a long time. I mean, you have two guys, a GM and a head coach, who are actually on the same page. Same page, yeah. I mean, we can say what we want, but, I mean, they work together in Carolina, and then McDermott gets hired, and then Whaley gets fired, and then magically a guy that McDermott worked with in Carolina ends up with GM. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have been a completely random coincidence, <laughs> a completely random search. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The search was one person, and it was Brandon B. Yeah, right? I mean, and, and it seems like it's the right guy yes. to do it. I mean, him, and, and when you have the same plan and you have the same vision, it makes everything a lot easier when you've got those two guys. And I mean, clearly, like, Doug Marone and Doug Whaley didn't have the no. same vision. No, no. Um, Shane Gailey and Buddy Nix kind of did, but it was yeah, the wrong vision. It was, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I, I feel bad because I feel like I feel like Chan Gailey would be the perfect offensive coordinator. Yes. I mean, Brian Dable is the perfect offensive coordinator for what they have. And I'm, I'm pumped about him, but I feel like he's going to be a head coach very soon. I think so. His offense does well. Yeah, the offense does well. Do. Um, but, but, like, Gailey, if Gailey had the talent that this particular group has, I think they could have been in a lot better shape. Yeah. At points. Because, I mean, you, it, that group was so fun to root for because you had a seventh-round draft pick as a quarterback, an undrafted free agent running back who was in, you know, NFL Europe, 
you had a receiving core headed by a seventh, seventh round. Yep, if you're if you're wide receiver one drafted dude, and Scott Chandler was a an afterthought with Dallas before he came over oh, yeah. Buffalo. So you've got all these guys who were. It was literally like. Yeah, what is that Keanu Reeves movie? The Replacements. The Replacements, that's, oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yes. It's like, you know, and Chan, Gene Hackman and Chan Gailey almost kind of <laughs> look like they could be distant cousins. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then even before that, I mean, Russ Brandon, not a GM. Yeah. No. Levy, great head coach, not, not a, a GM. GM. No. I mean, I, I feel like Tom Donahoe did a really good job picking up players, but he did a terrible job picking Dra- coaches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, In drafting. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they had so many... The draft was bad. Drafts were Pro bad. Pro-free agency, excellent. Yeah, draft, yeah, free agency. Horrific. Yes. Offensive line, worst I've ever seen. I don't know if you thought it would be a good idea to have a statue for a quarterback <laughs> and then say, let's just, you know, yeah, yeah. tag an offensive line. Drew Bledsoe. Are you talking to Drew Bledsoe? Yeah. Wait, but in Drew Bledsoe's year, didn't they try to sign... Was that Langston Walker? No, no, was that, was that later? Langston Walker, Eric Dockery... Uh, it might have been after. It might have been after. I thought that was Levy. You could be right, and I could be wrong. That was Levy. Oh, yeah, you're right. But Levy was after. Yeah, okay, you're right. That might have been J.P. Laws then? I think that was like the Lozman, and then the Oops were actually going to play Trent Edwards. Trent Edwards, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So much dysfunction. It's hard to keep it straight. Really, yeah. It's like a trail of tears. Yeah. Looking at a whole bunch of it going back. Yeah, but, you know, one of the good things I like about this offseason, especially for us Bills fans, is there is, they lost legitimately nobody to free agency. Nobody of no. Now, they lost Kyle Williams to retirement, which is tough. But they replaced him with first-round pick at Oliver. Yeah. And which... For right now is you know looking like a really good yeah I mean good replacement arguably they replaced him with a better player in the moment in the moment they didn't replace him with a better leader they didn't you no. can't replace him period in the locker room full stop it's like that guy's the, the beating heart of the team oh yeah but in in terms of the future for that spot Oliver I think is going to be. I mean, that, that's a man. Yes. That is a, that is a man. He looked, he looked really good. Now, did you notice, someone pointed out on Twitter, I don't know if you caught that Embedded series. Have you seen that at all? I didn't. So the, so the Bills released the Embedded series yeah. season two, and there was one play where um, Ed Oliver jumped. It was it was in OTAs, and Ed Oliver jumped off offside, and so they blew the whistle, they started moving back, and Ed Oliver was kicking himself for it, right? He was like, man, Sean McDermott went... Pulled him aside. It was like, hey, you know, we got to... And Ed Oliver kind of turned away, not as a sign of disrespect, but as a, man, I need to check Lawson takes him and spins him around and has him face the coach as as McDermott is talking to him. Exactly. It's good stuff. Now, that was just like, like, again, not disrespectful, probably just immaturity, not not used to being in in a pro level. Yeah. He's used to being the best guy on a team. (laughs) He's not right now. Yeah. That, that speaks to the kind of culture that the team has, that, that they always say that, that yeah. when, when it's the coach doing that kind of stuff all the time, the team is never going to get any better. But it's when the players start releasing other players <laughs> that it goes. So for Lawson to be mature enough yeah. to essentially spin around and be like, kid, get over here and, and take your medicine, yeah. and I don't care how mad you are, shut up and look at him when he talks to you, yeah. that's, that's yeah. where it's at. And that, that makes me excited for the leadership within the locker room that you don't necessarily... Because no one would ever choose Shaq Lawson necessarily as a leader. Yeah. But you see small things like that, and you're like, these guys are all mini-leaders all around the team. Yes. We just don't know about them. Right. Yeah. Not all Lorenzo Alexanders. Right. Or, uh, yeah. 
who, which, by the way, I mean, speaking of Ale- Alexander and Gore, are both 36 years old. Yeah. And, like, looking at them, if, if you told me they were 26 and I didn't know anything about them, yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. like, I mean, both of them are just in unbelievably good shape. But it's crazy. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Right? Alexander moves so quick. And Gore still is... is going to get three yards every single time, at least. I mean, sometimes he'll get eight. Maybe, maybe he'll break one out for 15, but, I mean, you're not taking him down before he gets three yards. Now, were you, we talked about not being excited when Devin Singletary was picked. How were you, what did you feel like when Frank Gore was, was you know, signed as a free agent? I actually, the, the guy who texted me, I thought he was kidding with me. Right? Yeah, I thought because they already had Ivory yep. and McCoy. So why do you have the two of, two of the three oldest running backs in the league? Like, let's, let's make it a, a trio. And I saw it, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you need to get younger in the position. You don't need to get older for the position. This is dumb. But it, it, he fits the offense. He fits the offense. What about LaShawn McCoy? How did LaShawn McCoy look today as far as what you – did he look like the old LaShawn McCoy? Or did he look like he lost his stuff? I mean, how do you look in comparison to, like, even a Devin Singletary? I thought he looked good. Did he? To be honest, I mean, and watching him catch the ball, there was they, – they were experimenting with this formation a lot of times where, where Allen was in the gun. They had the three tight ends bunched. Uh, to the left side off the left tackle. Uh, they had a receiver in the slot. Uh, it was Andre Roberts quite okay. a few times. And then they had a back. It was McCoy lined out wide. Brought McCoy back into the backfield. Uh, snapped the ball. Roberts ran a slant. And then McCoy ran a wheel out of the backfield. Yep. And Allen just dropped it right on him. Each time, went whichever running back it was on there when they were doing it without the defense, just kept dropping it on him. But then McCoy did it against the defense, and you can see he still had that extra gear to get under the ball, get to it, get a couple extra yards on the corner before he could really get an angle on him. Like, I, I, I've been pretty hard on McCoy all oh, yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been beating the drum pretty hard to get rid of him. Yeah. And I, I'll own that, and watching it today, I, I think he's actually pretty good. Prime to be a, a bounce back type guy. It was because he spoiled the Avengers game. Oh, 100%, movie, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I love how people throw that out. Like that's the only reason you could possibly yeah, not like the Sean McCoy. I don't. Yeah. You know. You know. I've had people tell me on Twitter. So, so like you, I've kind of been hard on McCoy, not because. I haven't been appreciative of the, I think he's I think he's the best running back since probably before Fred Jackson. Since yeah. maybe even Thurman Thomas or maybe I don't know, um, Marshawn Lynch was was a good one. Different different type of running back, but and with the way that he performed last year, I mean he was fortieth in rushing in the entire league. It was bad. He fought some injuries, he had a terrible offensive line. But my point my sticking point was always like, well, Chris Ivory always had a better yard per carry. Chris Ivory's not that good. Right. So how do you, I don't know, with the money he's making too, there's some level of expectation. He was making a lot of excuses. He wasn't taking the blame. He wasn't leading. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see how he, now if he returns to 2017 with Sean McCoy, his, his $9 million cap it is all worth it, right? Every penny. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, if he's not, then all of a sudden you make room for a TJ Yeldon, like you said. He absolutely makes the roster. And Frank Gore becomes your lead running back. Devin Singletary, right? He switches in with Devin Singletary depending on yeah. the occasion. You may not necessarily need a lead running back. Yeah. I mean, I, I Seattle has been an example of having three or four different dudes. I mean. 
to the disdain of every fantasy football player <laughs> it's the worst in the world who thinks Chris Carson's going to have a great year. No, it'll be Mike Davis. No, it'll be who was the uh, there was a guy from Notre Dame. Oh, was in yeah. there. Was it Rashad? Oh, yeah, Procise. Yeah. yeah. And I, I hang out. One of my really good buddies is, is a Notre Dame guy. He's always like, CJ Procise is going to be the guy. I'm like, he plays with Pete Carroll. He's not going to touch the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, if you said it, there was Rashad Penny. That was the yeah. other guy, yeah. the commissioner of my fantasy football league. He's like, Rashad Penny, I'm taking him in the first round. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, it's not going to work out. But that's, yeah, I mean, look at them, though. They're, they're consistently good, and that offense is consistently good with a mobile quarterback yep. without one lead bell cow running back and without one distinct number one wide receiver. But with, it's almost like that's how the New England's done it with Brian Dable, right? Brian Dable came from New England. They just, different different running backs. They don't have a... And it, and it might be by the matchup. Like maybe one team doesn't do well against guys who dance and who break outside. Okay, so then McCoy gets the ball a lot that day. Yeah. Maybe other teams don't do well against guys who just pound the rock and go north and south. Gore gets it a lot that day. Maybe there's teams who can uh, work a little cutback and, and get some backside stuff on them. Then Singletary gets the ball a lot that game. And then maybe there's guys who it's like none of these linebackers can cover anybody out of the backfield. There's Yeldon. Boom. You have four dudes who are going to be okay. Yeah. And it's, you don't necessarily need to lean on one of them, especially when, you know, one of your running backs is 96 and the other one is, is 45. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you can help yeah. those two out. Yeah. Age-wise. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm really excited to see where this season goes, this is the most excited I've been in a little while. Now, I'm always optimistic. We always have to be. Yep. But you have to figure, so Vegas odds are six and a half wins. Like, okay. It's got to be above that, right? That's like a steal for, for the over. Yeah. Right? It's a steal. It's, I mean, if barring an injury, even one, even in Josh Allen, like I feel like they might be able to go seven and nine with Matt Barkley. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, looking at it, if you, if you split the division... You know, I mean, you say, but say you lose to New England twice, and then you, you beat the Dolphins twice, and you split with the Jets. There's three right there, so six and a half. You're telling me that they had it after that? They can't go they can't win ten. Yeah, no, the no kidding, the right? Exactly. Come on. <laughs> yeah, facts. I mean, yeah. even the, the least optimistic of us would think they'll be able to beat somebody. I mean, the Giants, uh, the Giants, are, I heard uh, on WGR, Worked out Kelvin Benjamin. Yes. <laughs> like, that's, you know you're reaching a new level of desperation yeah, yeah. when you're when you're working that guy out. Can we just say week week two is a win right there then yeah, automatically against the Giants? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to the game. Are you going to the Giants game? Well, that's, it's at Meadowlands. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's for me. That's only an hour and a half. Yeah. So yeah. a couple of my one of my best friends is, is a Giant fan. So we've gone. To, I think we've been at every Buffalo Giant game before, regardless of the venue, since. I think we missed one in, since 1996. No kidding. Yeah, we've been to almost all of them. Wow. Even in Buffalo, too. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, I took him up uh, when and the Giants beat him, son of a gun, because uh, it was... Was it the Kavika Mitchell one? Where he, uh, oh, God, he, no. he ran back the touchdown? Remind me about that. Okay. I, got, I got a story about okay. that one. Okay, okay. But, uh, no, it was, it was Tyrod just had a terrible game in there, and I can't... Eli Manning... The Giants got a touchdown late. I don't. I don't remember much of the game. I might have had a few too many blue, uh, blue like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the parking lot. <laughs> but it, uh, it was tight. Yeah, it was tight for a while, and all of a sudden, Buffalo 
Buffalo Yankees. Buffalo. Yeah. No, the Kavika Mitchell game, I got a buddy of mine who is like the hex. And when Buffalo's up, and it started the Music City Miracle game. Oh, really? So he, we were in eighth grade. He calls me after Christie makes the field goal to go up one. And it's, you know, it's 19, it's 2000. So there's no cell phones. Like, I'm talking on a corded telephone in my parents' kitchen. Yeah. You know, millennials listening. Children have no idea what I'm talking about. You had to actually dial and, like, yeah. remember numbers? Uh-huh. Yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, back in my day. <laughs> but so I'm talking to him. And he's like, dude, I can't believe that they just beat the Titans. This is incredible. But like, I know this defense is so good, they might go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I hear my father inventing curse words that I've never heard before or since. Like, and, and I, I, Eddie, my buddy, just goes, uh, I, I think I'm going to go. All right, buddy. Bye, bye, bye. Hangs up and I go, yeah, what happened? He's like, they just threw a forward lateral. So then the Kavika Mitchell thing happens because Buffalo's up 14 0. And I had busted his chops about it because he'd done it to me one other time. He was like, I'm a White Sox fan. So he did it during a no hitter when Mark Burley was throwing one. And he was like, hey, he's throwing another no hitter. And then the next batter, single. So then. He sends me a text message and he goes, "Can I call you for a minute?" And I send the phone back and I'm like, "Do not even do it." So the phone rings. I pick up. I said, "I hate you." He goes, "Man, I can't believe the Bills beat the Giants." <laughs> and from that point forward, Buffalo's up 14. No, they lose 28-14. They lose, yeah. <laughs> so this the, this man is the actual actual hex in there. So no, the, the Kavika Mitchell game I was not at. That's the one we missed. Oh yeah, gotcha. Hey, I'm gonna pause that if that's okay. Let's sure, grab another yeah. beer. Please. I want to bring up the conversation about being downstate I became a Bills fan and all that stuff because I'd love to hear about that so here I'm gonna listeners won't be able to tell the difference I'm gonna hit the pause button so cheers man we're back with a a beer after the pause thanks again for doing this Um, Sean Murphy from BuffaloRumblings.com absolutely Um, so Sean you're a Bills fan you're from downstate how did you become a Bills fan in general Fun story, my, my dad, both my parents grew up on Long Island, and uh, with Stone's throw to a, to a bar that the Jet players used to go to all the time in training camp, and so my parents both hit the Jets, my mother especially, because she said when she used to go to the bar, they were pigs. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just awful. This is like, in, like Richard Todd, Gastineau, like all of those guys in there, she can't stand it. Uh-huh. So my father was at... Uh, I think that the, the game that Marty Lyons, he's given him the business down there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that game was at the Meadowlands. Okay, okay. I think it was, and uh-huh. I'm pretty sure my father was at it. Uh-huh. Watched Kelly bash Lyons over the head with the football and was like, oh my God, I love this guy. Yeah. And my, my dad was a Cowboys fan. Oh, really? Growing up? Growing up through the 70s because he just loved Roger Staubach. He loved Tom Landry. He loved what they represented. He saw Kelly and he was like, that's my guy. Really? I love this dude. And that's, I mean, I got into many fights on the playground defending my honor. Really? You're the Bills fan? I am, like, when you say, like, you probably have a token fan of, like, you know, whatever team up around here. Like, there might be a token Browns fan around here, or, like, a token Steelers fan. Like, I am my friend who's a token Bills fan. So, like, anytime the Buffalo does anything, my phone blows up. And it's like, like... 
the one that I can remember in recent history is when they drafted C.J. Spiller because I just remember getting text messages that were just long strings of ha 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 like they already have Marshawn Lynch and Fred Jackson what are these morons doing so that's I'm that's that's me. So yeah. Like my dad is a Bills fan. I got into it. First game I can remember watching was the comeback game. I was six. Wow. And, really? And well, it, it's right after Christmas. Yeah. So when Reich throws the pick six to Bubba McDowell and it gets returned and they're down 35-3, my dad gets all pissed off. That that's it. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to take Christmas decorations down. Mm-hmm. So he's outside working, and as they're scoring touchdowns, I'm banging on the window and I'm flashing him the score. Oh, really? But he comes back in and just screams at me. What are you doing? You're going to mess up the window. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I said, No, Dad. It's 35-24. And he thought I was lying because you know I'm six. Just, yeah, yeah. So then he sees the score. He goes, Holy. It's 35-24. And I mean, I, I didn't think Buffalo could lose because they had already been to the last two Momentum. Super Bowls. Of course, they were going to go to another Super Bowl. I was six. Yeah. So, um, it was all you knew. Yeah, that's it. I Super Bowl. Buffalo goes to the Super Bowl. What do you mean? That's that's what happens. Yeah. So I, I watched. I was just, I was hooked. I mean, I, I am... It's funny to me to look now because I my son is five, my older boy, and if I try to have him watch a game, he doesn't call them the Bills, they're Buffaloes in our house. <laughs> but he uh, he'll sit there and go, Daddy, let's watch the Buffaloes. And I'll go, All right, Declan, let's do this. He goes, Now we'll watch like three plays. And he goes, Is it over? Yes. And I'm like, No, man, there's still a lot of time. No, no just your attention span is over, yeah, right? Yeah. So like for me, it's been six or seven, and I was watching whole games. You look, how impressive is that, right? It probably explains a lot about my, you know, neuroses in general. Yeah. Yeah, I was very into it Uh at that point at a young age. That's, I was, I was hooked for that group. Now, when did you become a writer for Buffalo Rumblings? That was, Rex Ryan was the coach. Gosh, I want to say that it was August of 16. Okay. I think, because I was, yeah, the first, I applied, it was my second application, the first time I applied was when Brian Galliford was the editor-in-chief, uh, Matt was the assistant, and they were looking for, they were looking for new writers, they were looking for contributors of any kind, and I think they had said that they wanted people who were into analytics, too. Oh, okay. I am, I'm an English guy, I'm an English teacher, so I have nothing with analytics. I, I emailed Brian, and I told him, hey, look, you know, I'm an English teacher, I have a, you know, master's in ed, I have an, an English bachelor's degree, at worst I could be a good copy editor for you guys, and he very politely told me that he, they had already found what they were looking for, and to, to go off, and that's, they, they hired Dan Boy and Jeff Hunter at that point, and I very jealously would like read nothing. Yeah. That they oh, wrote. really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a complete, you know what? About yeah. Oh, yeah. It. And then a few years later, uh, when Brian was gone and uh, and Chris Trapasso was the editor, they put out another all call and said to submit two writing samples. And I wasn't going to do it because I'd already been turned down once before. Mm-hmm. And my wife looked at me and was like, "Do it." I said, "I don't think I'm going to." She goes, "If you do a writing sample, they're going to hire you. So do it." I said, okay, whatever you say. So I put my, I'll, I remember what I wrote about. I wrote about why they should let Robert Woods go in free agency. And they should sign 
Oh God, what was that terrible wide receiver for the Giants who dropped everything? Oh, was it um, Reuben Randall? Yes, it's exactly who it Reuben was. Randall. Yeah, sign Reuben Randall instead. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> brilliant right there. And then the other thing. Wait, was, are you sure you want me to keep this in the podcast? Oh, yeah, you don't do want it, me to cut this? Ahead. No, I, I I love owning when I make mistakes. Yeah. Like when when readers point out things that I could have screwed up in an article, I will gladly change it. Like, don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I will gladly like, hey man, I think you're wrong there. Oops, my bad. Yeah, yeah. 110%. I don't understand people who will not, like, delete the tweet when it doesn't actually work out. You know yeah, what I mean? Yep, yep. Like, no, I, I thought that Robert Woods was going to be too expensive and they should let him walk. Oops. Oops, yeah. Uh, and then I projected the Tyrod Taylor contract. And I think that I said they would sign him to a five-year deal at $90 million. And I was pretty much, like, dead on, on the contract thing. And I, it took, like, a month for them to answer me. So I just figured that not only did I not get hired, but that Chris was a jerk and he wasn't even going to email me. And then finally I got a message from him that was like, hey man, we read your stuff and it was really good, so we're going to take it. And oh, nice. I, I fucked out. The first article I wrote, actually, the first uh, training camp recap was when Reggie Re- Ragland blew his knee out. So I remember, and I thought, so I'm like, yeah, I'm a hex. This is perfect. Like, put me on the training camp thing and this guy, the second round pick, blows just ducky, <laughs> but yeah. So that's I was uh, I was a staff writer at that point, and then uh, yeah, Matt. Once Chris left and Matt took over as the editor, he just kind of kept throwing more responsibilities at me, and uh, I like challenges. But yeah, Matt, Matt challenged me. Yeah, on a lot of it, he would look at me and say, "Hey, I like what you do. You can be better at it. Do it this way. Do it that way." So he was like your Sean McDermott, is what you're saying. He was yes, no, yeah, yeah. He did. He's like respect the process, Sean. Yeah, we'll no, get you he, to. Yeah, he did. And he, and he busted my chops about it, and it was and it was good. Because cool. I, I respond well to that kind of stuff. Because yeah. he looked at me and was like, you know, you can keep doing what you're doing, and you know, just whatever. Or you know, you could actually take advantage of it and keep working at it. And that's I am, yeah. Because once Jeff left, the uh, I'm the assistant editor. I'm, I'm number three. Yeah. Since Matt, there's Dan, and, and there's me, and I just I your assistant to the it. assistant to the exactly. editor. So I so I get the coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that would be me. That's cool. How do you find like the Buffalo Rumblings community as far as giving you feedback? I mean, it seems like from what I've read, like they seem to be really cool. Like there's not a lot of jerks. They're just like, come on, come on, Sean. We'll what were you thinking there? No, and there's, and there's a lot of really smart dudes. A lot of smart, smart dudes, right? Yeah, there's a lot of smart. I'm sure there's a lot of smart dudettes, too, that I just don't know if they're male or female. Yeah. But there, there's a ton of people in there who are, they just know their stuff. I mean, and there's some guys you can always count on for, uh, for great gifs, not gifs. Uh, there's always some dudes who you can count on for, like, you know, when you do make a mistake, there's always the one guy who's like, hey, you know what, man, I think you meant this. And there's always the guy who's like the, the debater, and I love the debater. Yeah. But they're, they're, that's my favorite. Like where you sit there and like you constructive know, debating. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that, that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah. Is to talk about it. And for me, there, there's no one to talk to about Bill stuff yeah. around me. They're all giant fans, or worse, they're Jet fans. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, I have to deal with all of that. Where guys are like, Hey, what do you think about Eli Manning? Like, I don't care about Eli Manning. You know, what do you think about you know Eli Manning Jr. AKA Dan Daniel Jones. I'm like, I'm super happy that they, they picked him. Yeah, because then we got it Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is, like you were mentioning the LaShawn McCoy thing, and I've and I've had people over Twitter that like, you know, I, I've challenged. I love open debate as far as it's like, because I'm willing to change my mind. If you present a good opinion about something, it's like I never thought about that, or you 
provide evidence. Like right. people are like, oh, but the things that get me are when people are like, oh, like I get it. So you like LeSean McCoy, but now he's terrible. You want to run him out of town? It's like no. Like you can you can be a fan, a diehard fan, and question the team that you follow. You should never blindly follow your team, right? That's not what this country was built on. That's not what like good teams were built on. Is never questioning. You can question. You can question McDermott after the first season, even though he won't made it to the playoffs. It doesn't. The, the snow game, the blizzard game. Yeah. When they punted mm-hmm. with five minutes left in the game. Yeah. I mean, we crucified Rex Ryan for doing the same exact thing against the Dolphins the year prior because it didn't work. When McDermott did it, it was a genius move. It was still a bad move. It was still a bad move. It was still a bad move. Yeah. We got lucky. That's what happened. Exactly. I mean, they got lucky multiple times. You know, that season, that season in general, the game, that game specifically, for sure, that season in general, man. Where, shouldn't where were you when, when Dalton completed the pass? Uh, Tyler Boyd? I was where in my I was in my living room and I was uh, I was standing up because it was on TV, right? You know, because the Bills game had ended. Yep. They switched over to the to, and I'm just standing up, pacing like I normally do. Something big is supposed to happen. Yep. Game's on the line. I'm like, okay, Andy Dalton and the Bengals do not need this game whatsoever. Yep. They they gain nothing by winning. And the Ravens almost picked it off right before it was like it was an actual interception, but yeah, it was called penalty. back on a penalty. Uh-huh. And so all of a sudden, like my wife's on her phone, like she's like kind of like a Bills fan to a Bills fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she supports me, but she's yep. she'll never be as big of a Bills fan. I, same I same exactly. with your wife. Yeah. My wife was a Jet fan because her brother was a Jet is a Jet fan. Oh, okay. And then she started dating me and was like, well, if I don't want him to be miserable every single week, I guess I'll move I'll, I'll, I'll for you guys. Uh, yeah, so she was just kind of on her phone. She didn't know the ramifications of everything, and I didn't explain it fully, but I'm I'm standing there, and I see it happen, and he gets the first down. I'm like, this is great. Then he scores a touchdown, oh, yeah. and I scared her at how, how much I screamed. Luckily, my children were in bed, yeah. but like I was just like, yeah, you know, it was it was incredible. What, what about you? Where were you? We were at a New Year's Eve party mm-hmm. with, with my buddy Ed the Hats. And I'm sitting there uh, holding our, at the time, I get, yeah, he was eight months old. And Ed, my, Eddie is 6'5", about 270. Right? Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there, and we're, we're standing, and I'm watching, I'm like, ah, damn it. You know what? At least Buffalo did all they can do. Yeah. got close. And when the pass was completed, he and I both started jumping and screaming. And then we're hugging each other while jumping and screaming. Yeah. And, and my, my kid is in the middle of us. And he's just taking it. He's like wide-eyed. What? I can't like, what is going on? And my, my wife goes, are you done? So he goes, give me the baby. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm, we're sprinting around his house. Yeah, yeah. But she looked at me and she goes, I did not realize that that was going to be that kind of reaction for you. I'm like, well, what did you think you were married to? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't realize how big of a... That was the biggest play in the last 20 years. You know, for us as fans, easily. Yeah. And uh, that's funny. That there's two six-foot-plus guys, and there's an eight-month-old between you yeah. two while you guys and, are bro-hugging. Jumping and screaming jumping. like, like, like prepubescent girls at, like, yeah. an in-sync concert. Yeah. You know, it was, it was ridiculous uh-huh. how nuts 
we were, and he's a Giants fan. Yeah, and he was still kicking. That's he was, a, he was just pumped for me. I love Giants fans. They're yeah. they're they're super cool. I, you know what? I, all of my buddies who are Giants fans are all rap. Are all yeah yeah. This my he's also a home brewer. This guy, and we did uh, we brewed a beer that season. That uh, it was my idea. We did it. It was an apple bourbon porter that we made. And he goes, "What do you want to call it?" I go, "Trust the process." And he goes, "Come on." I said, no, that's what we're going to call it. I said, you, you wanted it. He goes, let's call it Murphy's process. I go, no, 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 no. It's McDermott's process, but we're going to trust him. We're going to trust the process. He goes, eh, whatever you said. Uh-huh. And that was, uh, that was flowing when, uh, when, when the Waves scored. Nice. Nice. I remember, have you ever done this? So my, my firstborn was born in November, so right in the peak of football season. I remember holding him the week after he was born. It was football Sunday. It was probably like three days after he was born. I'm holding him, and he's, you know, asleep or whatever. Or I was feeding him or whatever. Yeah. And I forget how loud I get watching TV. And I remember, like, not screaming, but raising my voice. Yeah. And he just went from, like, crying, from, like, from like completely calm and normal to, like, crying because of this loud noise. And I, I felt so terrible. I felt like an awful father and human being. But I'm like, you know what? He's got to get kind of used to that. Yeah. yeah, there's that story I feel like in every, like, my dad always tells me, he's a Red Sox fan. So when uh, the 86 ALCS, Boston is, is down or whatever, and I was sleeping, and Dave Henderson hit a walk-off home run in the seventh game to beat the Angels in Boston the World Series. And they're in a little, him, it's just me and him in a little apartment. And he goes, and I just like start up and start screaming, crying, and he's running around the apartment. Yeah, yeah, holding it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And that's kind of the same thing. Like with uh, with my firstborn, when because it, it was just my wife and I and him, we would go. We took him to the same sports bar, uh, Sweeney's in Walden, New York. There were clubs down there. Yeah. But it, uh, we would always go to watch those games at that spot. So when he was you know two months old, even in the carrier. He'd be asleep. We'd bring him. Somebody'd score a touchdown. Somebody'd yell. He'd jump. But he, but he's such a calm, easygoing kid now because he's so he's used to the noise. I think. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Crazy. So training camp again. You're going to be there Sunday tomorrow. Yeah, going tomorrow. What, is there anything different that you're going to be looking for that you didn't look for today? Or I want, I want to look at more of the defense. I focus so much on the offense, and it's like the shiny new toys. Oh, of course. You know, we're all on the offense. But I, I think tomorrow I really want to take a better look because uh, I, I put it out there on the on the recap that I wrote, just things to look at. You guys were asking me about the defensive line rotation, and, like, I didn't really pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I saw Oliver out there with the ones a little bit more or at least I thought I did, because I mean I saw him lining up next to Latulale yep. rather than lining up next to uh, to Harrison Phillips all the time. But I saw it. I mean McDermott is a heavy rotation guy anyway, and then uh, Jermaine Edmonds was out there. So a lot of Julian Stanford yeah. today too, which that was a guy who in my my ninety for ninety rumbling rumblings I was thinking that he may uh, be one of those back cut types mm-hmm. if they really like the youngins. Mm-hmm. Um, also weird um, when they did the field goal stuff at the end mm-hmm. the guy lining up the defense on the field goal was Tyrell Dodson 
an undrafted rookie. Really? Yeah, it was, I thought that was interesting because that's also that he was the guy who was uh, arrested on suspicion of domestic violence oh. at one point too. So I had thought that his days were numbered, mm-hmm. but I don't. I haven't heard of the date on that case. But it appears that the coaching staff. I mean, if they're trusting him to make the calls on there and line guys up. They, Apparently, think highly of him ability-wise. Now, what's his position there on the defense? He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker yeah, also. 53. Okay. Think. So right now, I mean, you have your starters. You have Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Lorenzo Alexander. Yeah, I mean, who do you have behind him right now on the making? The, I mean, one one guy I liked that was brought up that he came up to the one thing I liked about last season, even though it was it was pretty rough to watch at some points is at some point they knew they weren't going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They dumped a bunch of guys, yeah. and they brought some new guys up. So they brought Mike Love, they brought Corey Thompson, mm-hmm. who I thought, for from the limited action I saw, I thought he looked pretty good last year. Yeah, and I was really did. excited they brought him up. What did you think? He, he did. He's, he, athletically, that guy is solid. The poor kid got hurt so often in college that it was like... It was, it was like making, it's like if you got hurt on the middle school team, didn't play JV, and then all of a sudden, it's like, let's put you in a varsity game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's mm-hmm. what happened to him last year. But athletically, like, for what McDermott seems to like in his backup linebackers, he loves those special teams types. Yeah. So that's why you're, I feel like you're going to have a guy like Stanford who's going to be there. You're going to have a guy like Lacey who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Joseph, I feel like, is, well, is Sean, of course. who I didn't even notice today. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I need to look at the defensive guys a little bit more because I didn't see Thompson yeah, today either. either. Yeah. At all, but like last year, I feel like you, you're right. He acquitted himself fairly well for a dude who was an undrafted rookie who had been hurt a ton, mm-hmm. who had gone out there and played. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see Milano oh, yeah. get back in the lineup. Like oh, yeah. that's that guy's a little engine that could. I mean, just a, an undersized heat-seeking missile. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. He might be, before Tremaine Edmonds got drafted, probably the best linebacker I remember seeing since London Fletcher. Yes. And that's and that doesn't that speaks to how talented he is, but how bad really the linebacking linebacking had been. I mean you're talking Greg Ellison, remember that? I mean it was it was just a run of free agents and just guys that just didn't fit. Yeah, guys didn't fit, didn't work out. I mean, that was, yeah. He's more he's more athletic already than, like, Paul Poslosny oh, yeah. and guys like that. I mean, Kiko, I remember being really excited about him at first. Yep. Yeah. No, that, that was a good rookie year. He made some dumb mistakes. But, yeah, and, it's, and it's funny how he went from being, like, you know, the man in Buffalo to being public To being hated, right? Right? Buffalo, yeah. We always talk about on this podcast, he's part of the piece of garbage club. <laughs> so, so there's, like, certain players that meet this He's very on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, like exactly. Him, Jarvis, Landry. Jarvis Landry's on it. Also, guess take another guess. Guess who else is on oh, it? Oh God, let's see. It's Landry. Landry's definitely top of it. I don't even. I don't even. Patriots. Know. Oh God, you can go put Brady on there? No, no, no. I'm not gonna put Brady on okay. there just for being good. Um, oh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For that, for yeah, that cheap probably. play. And then obviously, like from our, when we were kids, like Brian Cox. Um, Double-barreled middle fingers. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I also put Richard Sherman on for that cheap shot against Dan Carpenter. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. In that game that they could have won. Yeah, that was um, Yeah, and then for him to sit there in the interview and talk just, about, like, oh, it's okay, get out of my Yeah, get out of my yeah. yeah. I don't see what was wrong. So, yeah, but <laughs> to, to that point, yeah, he's... Uh, the guy that leveled uh, Stephen Hauschka last year, too. Oh, Harry Anderson. Anderson. Henry Anderson? Right? Harry Anderson. Anderson, Anderson yes. That was From great. the Jets. Yes, yeah, that, that was. was. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. You're, you're a brave guy. And he defended it all day after that. I mean, they have to. Oh, yeah. 
they're never going to be like, well, I was really wrong on that. I wish I had done it because then. Um, but yeah, that, that ruined Hauschka's the second half of the season. Luckily, that didn't matter. Could you imagine if they were trying to make a playoff run and they needed a field goal to win a game, mm-hmm. and he yep. was injured because of that cheap shot? Yep. Yeah, and luckily, I mean, that's been a big worry for a lot of people that that, that injury was going to linger. And I don't know what you saw today, but from what I looked at with him kicking, I there I saw no, I saw a healthy dude. Yeah. Like that was Stephen Hauschka, not the dude who was wearing Stephen Hauschka's jersey <laughs> last year. Yeah, yeah, and just playing for the pain. This guy is. Yeah. I mean, he is the best kicker we've had in a while. Maybe since Steve Christie. Yeah. I mean, because Lindell was always good, but never from far. Exactly. He wasn't reliable yeah. past, like, 45 yards. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah, which, I mean, in modern NFL, you kind of need to be... Kind of need to be. Yeah, you should be. So those coaches would always, like, punt uh-huh. instead of kick field goals at, like, the 37. Like, come on. Uh-huh. Right. you got to go for that 55-yard yeah, field goal. I that man all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Cool. Cool, so it's going to be an exciting day tomorrow. Yeah. It's, do you know what the weather's going to be like? Is it going to be nicer tomorrow? I think it's going to be kind of more of the same from what I've seen. Dude, so. I was sweating bullets, yeah. in, in the, and I was just like, wow, like this is, I don't remember don't remember it being like this. I mean, it must have been like 80 degrees by 10 o'clock. It, yeah, I don't know. When I got back to my car, it said it was 91 when I got there. I don't, I don't know what it was on the turf, but I, I know that there was a point there towards the end of practice where I'm sitting there and I'm like, I should try to get in a scrum. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm dizzy. I need water. Dizzy. <laughs> like, uh, so, so you're looking for a certain different things that you didn't see, obviously, today. There is so much to watch. <coughs> Excuse me. Like you mentioned, everything's going on at once. There's literally almost 90 players doing something at any given time. And then sometimes they switch up fields, so you're looking at one side of Grounding Stadium in the field, the practice field, and then you're looking at the actual stadium itself. And right, yes, today at least, the bleachers were set up for the practice field area on the side, not like the stadium area. Right. Um, I don't know if they had to do with the natural grass. Maybe it's more similar to what they're going to see at New Era Field. It's, it's yeah. I'm curious, but there's a lot of stuff. So it's cur- I, that's why I like love to hear what you're going to be looking at. Obviously, the offensive line is going to be a big thing. Yes. It looked like Levi Wallace, for the most part, was getting other first team reps. He was pretty much the only CP two okay. that I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kevin Dawson got in there a little bit, but it, it was really it, it seemed like it's Wallace's job to lose. And that's I'm not mad about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty legit. So much more talent than last season. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, you had you shall not be named yeah. who retired at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, who's the guy? They played Ryan Lewis for a little bit. Not yep. Macklemore's Ryan Lewis, but the Ryan Lewis. Yep. And then uh, I was at the Titans game when they benched Lewis uh, halfway through. Oh, and they started playing Phillip games. And it was, uh, my take on it was that Ryan Lewis, against the run, just seemed awful didn't get to the edge which I noticed on a couple he seemed more physical today like Ryan Lewis yeah, yeah. I mean, but when I saw him in the one on ones Out for him because yeah. they've got a guy like Saran Neal. Oh, yeah. He's working out as a slot corner. Mm-hmm. 
So if you go with those five that we already said, if you keep Neal as a safety slash corner, then you've got obviously Foyer and Hyde, uh, Kurt Coleman. Yeah, Kurt Coleman would just sign. Yep. Right, rather than Raphael Bush, like mm-hmm. switch, you know, one former saint for another. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably your secondary yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. At nine guys. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep a ten, maybe a guy like Lewis could sneak on, but nine is probably all you're going to do. Now, was Ryan, was he an undrafted guy last season? Over all the waivers from New England. The waivers from New England. Okay. He came over actually with uh, with the Yorkers with the Hunter. Mm-hmm. They both came from there. Oh, oh, big punting battle too. It was, yeah. And I, I thought Corey with the E looked a lot better than Corey without the E. Yeah. And it's I, I liked Corey without the E last preseason before he tore his knee up. Oh yeah. So I, I hope. I mean, it's now he's at 11 months at this point removed from the ACL injury. I hope that it's not lingering effects. But he was his. Uh, York has just looked more consistent. I mean, more hang time better when it was in, in traffic. I mean, they were working really good from the back of the end zone stuff that I saw. The Orcas looked a lot better oh, cool. in there than, than part of the end. Okay. Cool. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. No matter what, do you remember who the punter was? I can't even remember at the end of last season where the guy was punting like 30-yard punts. Darn, that's Dar. right, Matt Darn. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what is going on here? This yeah. special team. So my opinion about special teams is 90% of it, it doesn't usually phase any game. Yeah. If you are the top special teams or the bottom special teams, it affects games. Absolutely. And we were at the bottom, and it affected almost every game. It was pathetic. And and it was almost like, I mean, coaching definitely didn't help, but they had, like, Mad Dog punting. Yes. I mean, I don't know if I would be much worse than Mad Dar. It was bad. It was bad. And then suddenly they seemed to get how to cover kicks. Yeah. At different points, too, there. Like, like Letting guys. Yeah, it's just guys getting big returns when it shouldn't happen. I remember the, uh, the Jet game. The Andre lost. Roberts. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, torched was, us. Yeah, I, I was at the Jet game that they won. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember sitting there, all my bills here. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to wear it. I'm gonna, uh, Buffalo's going to get tumbled. Yeah. Start freaking Matt Barkley. He was like, you know, drinking Miller Lights on his couch two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden he's a quarterback. Yeah. And that, that speaks to how poorly they handled the quarterback situation last year. But uh, I remember looking at everybody around me, and we're all like, this is happening. Even the Jets fans are like, really? And Jets, you're like, yeah, yeah I guess Jets, so. Our school, we were there for the, the, the football team's fundraiser. So there they were like 50 people from, from Walk Hill High School. All of us were there. And they all know that I'm the Bills fan. My wife is the Bills fan. My buddy AJ from Cuba Lake is the Bills fan. So we're all just sitting there. Us. And everybody else goes, shut up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really cool. You know, I'm really excited. I, I, meant, I know we mentioned the stable quarterback room for the first time. And after that game, I was like, wow, we have a quarterback that can win us. Now, mind, mind you, the Jets were terrible last year yeah. for the most part. They were a tire fire, and I'm hoping that continues this season. I guess, I guess, you know, I guess to wrap up this podcast, I know we've been talking for a while, and I appreciate all of you, you know, giving It's good to get input from someone that yeah, writes all the time. I'm so happy. I mean, like I was saying when Matt said to me, like, Nate wants to have him on the podcast. I'm like, great. Otherwise, I'm going to be sitting in my hotel room by myself. <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I love doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, what, what do you look for, I guess, in the season? So we've talked about, like, training camp. But obviously you have thoughts about how the season's going to go. What are you watching for? I mean, Jock Allen, you're obviously going to be watching for. But is there anything specifically you did the 90 players in 90 days? Are there players you're going to – we mentioned, like, undrafted guys. Here, let's start there. Undrafted guys, we mentioned David Sills. Yeah. Are there any other guys that you're watching for undrafted-wise that you're really going to be – you think might have a chance to make the team? Because last year it was Levi Wallace. Yeah. It was um, – um, Robert Foster, right? Um, guys that all of a sudden went from practice squad to starters and legitimate starters. I mean, Brandon Bean. Do you see any guys like that from the ninety players that you looked at that have the potential to crack the roster this year? I got to be honest, I don't. Okay. And, it, and it's, it's not a knock on those guys; they're pretty good. But I, I think it's a, a positive towards the talent who's on the roster. I mean, we're going to cut those that are going to go play on other teams this year. When, when's the last time that really happened, where Buffalo let guys go and they were signed by other teams and the other teams were like, yes, yeah. we signed this guy that used to be with Buffalo. But you probably have to go back to the early 2000s, yeah. you know, when, like, John Butler had to cut the cap because he had, like, Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas. And, and that's, that's kind of sad. Or, or even like with Tom Donahoe when they let uh, they let the Keo Spikes go and they let London Fletcher go, uh, but I don't. I mean, if there's anyone, I think it's going to be a linebacker. Okay. And, and I I would I like uh, Juwan Fogu. Okay. Because he he's huge and he used to be a. I can't he was either a wide receiver or he used to be a receiver and now he's a linebacker okay he's like 62 230 and, and great cover dude that to me that would be the guy who you try to, to keep in the back yep um, I, I don't think you're going to have any of them and if like Sills is a guy who scored I really like I would love for him to make the roster I think that like just watching today and I know it's a snap judgment I mean if you're going for the big receiver is it Sills or Duke Williams that I'm putting on the roster tomorrow it's Duke Williams and I'm going to try to have Sills go on my practice squad and if he gets poached yeah. Go ahead. Go, ahead. Go play on somebody mm-hmm. else's 53. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Easley, I dropped too many balls. There were a lot of balls in him right in the hands today in the one on portion mm-hmm. that he just wiggled out. You know, there was one point where uh, one of the coaches uh, had the big body bag and he was smacking the guys with it. And like Zay Jones, who's been ripped apart for his low catch percentage by a lot of fans, grabbed the ball and as he turned, the coach snapped the ball with the mat holds on to it. Easily goes to do the same thing. Coach is in the middle of the back. Oh, really? The ball pops out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, Jones, I'm okay with. Yeah. He's, I, I can't see the guy cracking the receivers mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I think that it's going to be a pretty stacked up roster. Gotcha. I, my, my expectations for the season are good. That's great. Yeah. That's great. You know, I... This is something that we. This might last year might have been the last time a guy like uh, Levi Wallace or whatever could make the team yeah. and start and get a chance and get the opportunity oh, without completely yeah. standing out as an undrafted rookie. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really that that. But like you said, it speaks to the talent that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott brought on this on this roster, which is great. It's great for us fans to not have to rely on because you remember the years where it's like 
the first or second round draft picks never panned out. We'd be hoping for the Stevie Johnsons or whoever just to somehow step up. Desmond Lewis. Desmond you know, Lewis. There's, there's like so many guys throughout so many. the years who are like training camp darling. Like yeah. Brandon Riley. Red Jacks. Oh yeah, Brandon yeah, Riley. Brandon Riley. Brandon Riley is going to be the best receiver ever and all of this. And where is Brandon Riley? Is, is he on a roster? I'm, se- I'm seriously asking. I have no idea. Same. I have no idea. Like, like, did I love Brandon Riley when he was in Bill's camp? Yes. Did I think Brandon Riley should make the team? No. You know, like if, if he's starting for you, you have a problem yeah. at that point. So like if you look at that receiving core, like the top five is is fairly set, it looks like. It's, it's, yeah, go ahead. It, it's Brown. Yep. It's Jones, it's Beasley. Then Foster's rotating in. Yep. And Roberts is rotating in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you think that they, if they were to keep a sixth, yeah. do you think it's Sills? Or is it Cam Phillips? Or Isaiah McKenzie? Or Ray Ray McLeod? I mean, it's... I know, that's a great question. And, it, and I think a lot of it is going to depend on what they do with the tight ends. Yep. A lot of it's going to depend on what they do with Patrick DeMarco, which seems crazy. Yeah. But if you if you can cut, if you can keep four tight ends, and one of them can play like an H-back role, and you get rid of DeMarco, then you might be able to keep an extra wide receiver. Uh, what are they going to do with Sonora's Perry? Does he stay on as a gunner? What are they going to do with Yeldon? Yeah, because he's not a special teams guy. No, yeah, and it's 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 really interesting. I I don't know because they are going to cut guys who are they're going to cut guys who are going to start for other teams. Yeah, which is crazy to say about a team that was six and ten last year, but they're going to cut guys that are going to start on other teams. I. I think I'm just going to go. I think they're going to win 10 games. Wow. I really do. Wow. And I, I think I'm crazy. <laughs> and a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy, but I don't care. I think they're going to win 10 Well, you games. also said they were going to win the Super Bowl, so that's not that's right. 10 games, yeah. isn't it? 19 <laughs> games, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a very optimistic season. Yeah. Unlike last season, I feel like, especially with the cap hell that we were in, that we knew going into this, yeah. I think we all accepted as Bills fans that this was coming. This year, we have cap room. We still have cap room. We still building cap room for next season and you know they're still at least a few years away from signing a 30 million dollar contract or whatever to josh allen so they have they have room to spend money this is the first they could legitimately win eight to 12 games i mean anywhere in in between that range and it wouldn't surprise me either way right um i know it's an exciting time to be a bills fan so so you're gonna have an article up tomorrow by the time i'm posting this tomorrow so it'll be sunday um so you'll have an article up against then People at Buffalo Rumblings, which I'm sure will check it out. But they should check it. Sean, do you have a Twitter handle or anything? My, I am the most boring Twitter follow on earth. I was telling you before, yeah. I, my Twitter is for the varsity softball team that I coach. Uh-huh. So I had to send out an apology because I said I'm going to be at Bills camp. So I'm sorry for spamming all your feeds. Because uh-huh. I, I mean, it's like you know, random moms of my players who follow me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I looked down at my phone when I got back to the hotel, and it's like, you have 27 Twitter notifications. And I'm like, what the hell? I haven't had 27 notifications this whole year. Yeah. So my, my handle is all caps W. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. <laughs> Well, out your phone, David. You, you know what? I do, actually. I actually have to look at it. Uh-huh. I can't remember if I went WSHS uh, <laughs> underscore softball NY or WHS. My goodness. Well, I'll tell them right now, if you want to follow Circling the Wagons, it's at yes. CTW pod, Circling the Wagons pod. But if you want to follow Sean... Oh, here I am. It's 
capitals WSHS underscore capital S softball mm-hmm. and then capital NY as in New York. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty. That's a. You might want to give that one again. I might. Yeah. Right. No. Don't. <laughs> just follow Buffalo Rumblings. There's so much more important at that point. Yeah. I mean, unless you're really interested in Section Nine softball, then you can go ahead. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And you had your first garbage plate. I did. Yeah. And. Uh, it was delicious. I don't know. I'm not going to eat for the rest of the week. I don't think. But uh, luckily, tomorrow is Sunday, so I can start eating. <laughs> so here's a question. I had um, Jeff Kentrowski on before Scarecrow, yeah. and he talked about um, this winging it article he did with it. it was a it was a garbage plate wrap, and he did it with baked beans. What, did you get baked beans on your garbage oh, plate? What'd you get? Oh, I mine was it was two cheeseburgers, uh, the mac salad, mac salad, good uh, hash browns, uh huh, and they threw like a hot meat sauce on top of them. Yeah, onions in there. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you think? I thought it was delicious. Hot sauce was I, good? I, for a bit, I felt like I was going to die. Uh, I actually, I needed to order a stout so that I could put the fire out <laughs> yeah. in there. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a sour with it. And yeah. that, that was a terrible pairing. Don't ever do that. You feel but, like you want to take a nap right now? I, I kind of do, actually. Yeah, you may find me sleeping in my car. Uh, I'll have 17 messages from Matt again. Like, are you at camp? You're like, what's camp? What's camp? <laughs> I'm still in a strip mall in Webster. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So, for people that haven't been able to tell, we were at a brewery in Webster that Matt suggested. Witchcraft Brewery. Bruce? Witchcraft Brews? Witchcraft Brews. I've never been here. It's a cool place. Um, So, yeah. I... You know what's funny is I had a garbage plate earlier. I went to Shooters in Fairport okay. after the after the um, train camp, and dude, I was I was out of it. I think it was had to do with dehydration and the heat today. I was just knocked out at one o'clock. I was just I was just drank some water and I'm like I need to just lay down for yeah. a minute. And, uh, and it was I'm back at it now, drinking with you. I you know appreciate you coming on. Obviously, it's good to talk to somebody whose articles I read all the time. Um, obviously, they can find, follow your work on BuffaloRumblings.com again. But, uh, man, looking forward to a great season. Looking yeah. forward to your articles. Do you, do you, so you're, are you still doing your 90 players 90 days? Are you done with that? No, I am, uh, what do you call it? I have my, I have a whole big spreadsheet home. I've got everybody who I have. I have them planned out. I'm going to write in what order. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm through. Gosh. Hopefully you didn't do Damari Scott already, did you? Uh, no. Good. The, no, you know who I had done who was really, was uh, my favorite name, uh, Quindarius Thaggard, <laughs> who I, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but he, he sounds like he should be the uh, the king of the White Walkers or something. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah no I mean? kidding. Like, that's a medieval, that's a cool God, renaissance that's name. That's the coolest name I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah. I wish I were named Quindarius <laughs> Thaggard, but that's, yeah. I did. I think you automatically name. go to Harvard if your name is that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and then they, uh, they cut him and they signed L.T. Walton. So that's okay. it's ninety players in ninety days, but I mean I use I think last year I wrote a hundred and eight oh, gotcha. of wow. them because they kept cycling so, through yeah. guys at the bottom. Guys that were cut that you already wrote about. Yeah, so that's why I keep I always try to do the guys who are like at the bottom of the depth chart yeah. early so I can kinda of get them written. Mm-hmm. And the dudes who you know are gonna be there you can sit and wait on them a little bit. But the, the roster's been a little bit more set this year. Now that I've said that, I'm sure like there will be a Monday news dump or something where Buffalo has cut four guys and signed five new ones yeah. and then placed this guy on injured reserve. Yeah. And then I'm just going to end up expanding and, and uh-huh. continuing on and on and on. But I think I've written like 74 of them wow. at this point. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So you know the roster better than most people. So 
Um, we've had Mike Love on the podcast before. Oh, okay. Super cool guy. Yeah. Nice guy. Very, I, I feel like he's a process guy. Yeah. He's one of the reasons why they brought him back. What did you think about him? Did you write his article yet? And I did, and he's he's in the mix. Do you think he's in the mix for that fourth defensive end spot? Truthfully, I do. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't think they're high on Eddie Yarbrough no. at this point. I think he's soured. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued more by Eli Harold mm-hmm. and his pass rushing ability. Mm-hmm. I think Love is the more complete end, mm-hmm. but I think Love is kind of redundant because he reminds me of Shaq Lawson oh, yeah. in that regard where they, they are very good. I think Lawson's great against the run, yeah. for the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think Love is yeah. the same, a little bit of a smaller body type, but he, he sets the same kind of edge. Uh, maybe there's more pass rush potential there yeah. uh, that I haven't seen in that club. But that's, if they keep four, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a coin flip, I think, between him and Harold. Mm-hmm. And if they keep five, he's on the roster. I bet you they could sneak Mike Love on the, on the practice squad one more season if they had to, and then have him take the spot of Sheck Lawson if they don't resign him, which I don't know if they will be able to. I don't know. This debate has happened in the comment section a lot on, on rumblings. I know that there's, I don't know how much of a market he's going to have outside of Buffalo just because his numbers don't pop. Uh, but I also don't see Buffalo paying him a ton of money. And I don't see him being willing to settle for something that's not a good free agent deal after having had his fifth-year option turned down. Having having already paid Trent Murphy a lot of money, yep. Jerry Hughes a lot of money, I can't see them doing that to a third guy, a third defensive guy. I feel like they have their two top guys for now. Yes. Now, they could always cut Trent Murphy, but I feel like they're Murphy's not going to stretch it. It's interesting because I think after this year... I think if they cut him next year, I think it only counts for one and a half or some of the one and a half in terms of the That's one thing that, that Bean deserves a ton of credit for is the, the structure of the contracts that he's put together. Front-loading them so that every year after that, they can just, there's there's no, yeah. it doesn't kill you. He did it with Tyler Croft. Did it with Spencer Long. Spencer Long's basically on a one-year deal with two one-year options in there. It's, it's brilliant what he, what he did with a lot of these contracts. So it's I. Yeah. It's low risk, high reward. Correct. Right. So if they if they turn out great, you got them for a cheap deal for the next few years. If it doesn't work out, then you cut them with almost no consequence. Right. That's how it should have been done. Whereas opposed to a guy like Whaley was always signing like. Cordy Glenn's the highest deal for an offensive tackle. And, yeah. you know, just because, and that's one of the reasons, because they weren't drafting well enough, they could not get away with it. Yes. So, yeah. Whereas we're talking about a wealth of talent where they might, in the future, dump guys that are talented because they have younger guys to fill the gap cheaper or yeah. whatever. It's, yeah. it's crazy to think that way. Like, yeah. like, is this what a normal organization, like a, yeah. okay. like a, an efficient, well run, so it's exciting. It's exciting. This is one of the more exciting off seasons, I think, as a Bills fan, because two years ago when Sean McDermott came in, they got rid of everyone. Mm-hmm. They lost a lot of. They traded a lot of guys. You weren't expecting a whole lot. They made the playoffs last year. Big cap hit. A lot of dead cap. This year, now it's starting to come together. Yes. They have their quarterback in place. Yep. They have their offensive line in place. They have their wide receivers in place. Before I leave, I know we've been talking for, geez, way too long. Um, and, and I appreciate all of this, but 
one thing I always thought was wide receiver one. Everyone always talks about the Odell Beckham Jr., the Antonio Browns, yeah. the Mike Evans. And, and this is where I come out on all of that, is that it's great to have a wide receiver one. The Bills do not have one, a specific wide receiver right. one. But I guess my argument against that is how far do those teams actually really go for the most part? Right. I mean, how far is an Odell Beckham Jr. team gone? Yeah. How far is an A.J. Green team gone? How far is a Mike Evans team gone? So you don't, you don't necessarily need that to win in this league. Look at when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Who was their wide receiver one? Alshon Jeffrey, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't like he was putting up wide receiver one numbers. Zach Hurts. Zach Hurts. Was their number one. Yeah. 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 No, your wide receiver one is the guy who helps your offense the best. And that's okay. Our wide receiver one is John Brown. John Brown, period. Yeah. And that's it. He's not a prototypical wide receiver number one, but that guy is Buffalo's wide receiver number one. And are you okay with that, or do you think? <laughs> Yeah, like you can't. I'm not even gonna let you finish the sentence. 110. percent Yeah, like because are you of the same mindset? You don't need that guy necessarily yeah. because there's so few. There's so few Andre Johnsons out there. Yeah. There's so few who Calvin Johnson. Who does the defense key on with Buffalo's offense? Who? Do, who? You know what I mean? Go ahead, take Brown out. Take Brown out. So now Beasley's open. Take Beasley out. Okay. Now Jones is open. Take Jones, Jones is out. Okay. Now Knox is open. Take right. a running game out. Okay, now Allen's just going to throw it 50 yards, you know, in the air, flicking his wrist, not yeah. even trying. Yeah. Yeah. You cover everything underneath. Now you put Robert Foster and John yeah. Brown on opposite sides of the field. Right. Which way does the safety go? You throw it to the other guy. Yeah. Make right. Allen throw it underneath. Okay, now he's got Beasley, and he's got Jones who can operate in the slot a little bit more. That's an underrated thing for them with, with Brown able to work outside, uh, with Foster able to work outside. Jones does a lot of really, he's huge to work in the slot, and he does a lot of good work as a slot receiver. So that's, and he doesn't necessarily have to start as the slot receiver to end as the slot receiver yeah. in there. Like, he could start lined up outside, you motion him into the slot, put him tight right over a tight end, all of a sudden you've got some messy patterns mm-hmm. in there. So they've, they've got a lot of flexibility in there where they have fun. Yep, and each one of those guys is every week yep. capable of 100 yards receiving. Oh, and by the way, you'd better have a spy on the quarterback, too, while yeah. you're doing and all of that because mm-hmm. if you don't then he's going to run for 100 yards too. Yeah. so that's I, I can't I can't remember a time where a Buffalo offense was as scary probably like the first eight weeks of, of Drew Bledsoe's Buffalo career might have been it even like the Fitz offense was was gimmicky mm-hmm. you know what I mean like but you had when you had Bledsoe throwing a fearless price to mold, handed off to Travis Henry, who was so often forgotten and so underrated Absolutely. as a running back. Like that dude was tough as nails, man. And that's like that was a scary offense for somebody to have to stop. And that's probably the last time where you looked at Buffalo and it's been like, yeah, that's a scary offensive game. Yeah. They could be legit scary mm-hmm. this year. Cool, cool. That's an exciting thing to end it with. So, Sean. They can catch you on Twitter, buffalorumblings.com. Thank you so much for coming on. Meet, meet me out for a beer or two. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Good a, afternoon. Yeah, it's a good afternoon. It's a beautiful day. Good beer. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave it with that. Uh, guys, definitely check out his articles from training camp last couple of days. First-hand observations, observations that a lot of other media outlets weren't able to get. I wasn't able to get. I'm sitting in the bleachers like normal people. And uh, this guy's over here with Sal Camaccio and Joe Scalia just rubbing elbows. <laughs> Best friends. You know, you're going to meet them out later for beers. But, uh, but cool, man. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, guys. Thanks for hanging in there. As you can tell, I did not bring any of my podcasting equipment with me. But there was a lot of good topics 
that we went over there. So appreciate you guys listening. I look forward to talking to Sean again in the future. And if you couldn't tell, we're just, I don't know, we're both really pumped about what we saw. And one thing I've noticed for Bill's training camp practice so far, and it's still early, but what I've seen so far is that the offense, for once, does not seem light years behind the defense right now. And it's it's definitely been that way in previous camps. And to me, that's a very important thing. It's It's an exciting topic considering how good our defense has been and how good it could be this season. And I, I don't know, usually at this time of year, we're justifying why the defense is just absolutely owning the offense. They're picking off every pass by the quarterback, and they're just always into the backfield. We don't have to do this this year, and it's that to me, that's huge. So I um, also wanted to say that the bartender at Witchcraft was a Bills fan, so we talked to him a little bit about it, Sean and I. And then he also complimented me on my Josh Allen jumping over the haters t-shirt. So if you want to check out that design, uh, go to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod, where we just released three new Circle the Wagons designs, which people really seem to like. Check out that design and more at tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. So thanks again to Sean Murphy, a great dude, great writer, and check out all of his work at buffalorumblings.com. So for me, Nate, go Bills. We'll talk to you guys again soon next week, and uh, we're going to recap and review Season 2 of Embedded. So guys, make sure you binge it all before then, and we'll all talk about it then, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.